Hey, what's up? What's up? It's your girls. I'm Rissy and I'm Shelves. And this is the podcast. I totally relate. You guys, we have a real treat for you today. Oh, a treat? Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) You don't even know how punny I am. Uh, Okay, so we are sitting down today with Shannon Ricks. Say hello. Hi there. (laughs) This is truly a delight. We are really excited. So Shannon Ricks is an LMFT. Nope. Yeah, you did. Okay. Yeah, you did. Shannon Ricks is an LMFT. Uh, She runs a practice called Modern Eve. She has office. She has an office in Salt Lake as well as Orem, and she focuses on people with eating disorders and faith transitions. So our listeners are like, "Oh hell yeah, Shannon's at the table with us." <laughs> like, what's up, Shannon? What's up in the house? Before we really jump into it, I would really like to know how you got into this line of work. Mm. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so um, originally after, I worked a few years in different treatment centers for whether it was like troubled teens or troubled young adults or just different genders and needed essentially just clinical hours after finishing um, grad school. So I went to the Center for Change, just another treatment center, to go get my hours. And I fell in love with the clientele there. The way that a perfectionistic and a really highly driven mind works was just really relatable in a way that some of the other clients, like troubled teens and like acting out, didn't, I don't know, resonate with me personally as much. So I just saw potential for like, these are people like my friends. Yeah. Like these aren't people with just like problems. I don't know. They just seemed so much more relatable to me. And I had a lot of respect for them right off the bat. So that's initially what brought me to eating disorders and body image work. And I fell in love with the clientele. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you worked in a treatment center because of your schooling or you went to school because you went because you worked in a treatment center. Yeah, so I knew I wanted to be a therapist when I was 16 years old. Like, I just oh, really? knew that's, yeah, what I wanted to do. So as soon as I turned 21, I began working in treatment centers to try and get experience and be a mini therapist, I guess you could say, and figure out really where I wanted to specialize and what I wanted to do. Wow. Okay. And did you, where did you get your degree? So I got my undergrad at UVU here in Orem and whoop, then... Whoop. Go Wolverine. And then Liberty University in Virginia was my graduate program. Okay rad yeah you didn't know that this was your field until you started working with the people and then you're like oh wow I actually feel like I can connect with them and help them in a way better than I could yes a a different problem correct okay correct so yeah I didn't have I didn't have a lot of personal experience honestly in it in fact a little bit the opposite where I remember getting compliments about my physical appearance for the first time in, in junior high, whereas I think most girls, any other girl I met, yeah. is told they're cute from a very young age, told they're pretty. I was not fed these messages. Oh, okay, really? Like, what an anomaly, right? Like, yeah. how does this happen? I didn't. I never got appearance-based messaging, maybe that I was tall, until junior high. And I realized how there was, like, this incongruence about, like, this was – beauty was such a focus of my friends mm-hmm. and something we evaluated each other on. And I was like, wait – what? Like it was a very confusing thing to me and that 
I didn't realize planted a seed with this interest too and like wait how like could this really be something that other people need to know like that this works this does help instill confidence to not make appearance-based comments and to not build your worth off of anything appearance-based. So you feel like as a young child you were building your worth based on something else while your peers were building their worth on how people if people saw them attractive or not. Yes. Yeah. Because my the feedback I got, like, I was a good singer and I was smart. So those were the messages. So these are things that you can control. You can study. You can you can practice singing. Sure. These are things that make you unique. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Versus you have blonde hair. <laughs> right. And blue eyes. Or just something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It just seemed different messaging yeah. and like a maybe healthier messaging Absolutely. to be like oh you're so kind yeah. right that's what people said about me because yeah you know I wasn't exceptionally one way or another like I was just very like average I'm sure looking and in size and whatever what does that look like for your confidence and the way that you look at yourself in comparison to maybe others who have hyper focused on how they're perceived. It seems like it seems like you're more in tune with who you are internally rather than the way that you're being perceived by others. Right. Right. So, yeah, I guess it just comes from a place of like neutrality. Um I view compliments about my body pretty similarly to that of compliments about my car perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um where it's it's just my vehicle and yeah. it does what I need it to do. It's not perfect, but like that's n- doesn't matter that much um that it has some dents in it but does it get me where I need to go yeah so maybe not quite to that extreme but similarly yeah similar vein yeah I love that so much that is not my experience no and I don't think it's it's literally no other woman I've ever spoken with experience and so I feel very lucky to have gotten that those messages that I'm like yeah yeah. Very different. Yeah. Okay. So now you're working with troubled youth or women or individuals who are missing that piece. And this has brought you into this whole world of starting your own practice mm-hmm. and spreading a message. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's not only that, but like – and the eating disorder component – and the face transition component all come within like viewing power structures, noticing mm. what are the pi- power dynamics in play in yeah. society, in our minds that influence behavior is endlessly fascinating to me. And it gets my feminist fire just going. <laughs> yes. 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 Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm so glad you said that. Leads me right to the next question. Like what is diet culture? Can I just give you a little bit of like what I think? Yes. Tell me what diet okay. culture is. Like for me, I feel like this is like, a little mind game set up by the patriarchy, right? Like, if I can compete with you against, like, who's skinnier, who's prettier, who's better, then, like, all my energy goes to this and I'm not, like, really paying attention to, like, I don't know, like, the how we're setting up how our society runs, right? Like, in my mind, I feel like diet culture is something that keeps women busy and competing with themselves so that we never really, like, break out and, like, reach our potential. Yes, like, what a brilliant trick. Really. I mean, (laughs) smart. Mm -hmm. If you are feeling threatened by something to get ahead, right, of course. Of course, let's keep women occupied on the way they're looking so they don't create too much. Yeah. They don't say too much, take up too much space, right? We don't want that. 
yeah, have you read Margot Main's The Beauty Myth? No. It talks all about, like, the historical components of this. How when, um, I think it was during World War II, it could have been World War I, um, soldiers were going off, and so women had to enter the workforce. Yeah. And so there was different messaging because they needed women in the workforce. However, when they came back, there weren't enough jobs for the soldiers because the women had taken them. Yeah. And this was threatening. This in comes the 1950s with all of this media messaging about this cute housewives and all of the kitchen products and stuff. You know, and the theory goes, yeah, as a technique to get women back into the home, make in the home sound more appealing to free up jobs for the men. So. So I'm not okay. crazy for thinking no, this. No, 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 no. So, but wait, there was this yes. huge push of getting women into the workforce. Initially, because they needed right. them to be there. That's like where the... Um, Rosie the Riveter. Rosie the Riveter. Mm-hmm. Yes, honey, I'm just flexing my She's arms. Muscle. She needs <laughs> Um But what a confusing time. Like, it's like, okay, everybody... Because, okay, in school, I studied art history. Whatever. Okay. So there's all this messaging of women are strong, women are powerful, women are capable. Mm-hmm. And then the kitchen gets designed. Women belong in the kitchen. Mm. Women, you know, like I, like, I think that's so interesting. And you're just touching on that. Yeah, yeah. And again, I don't know, like, how true, but it's just looking for themes like this that who knows if that was actually the driving motivation. I don't know, but it certainly was the outcome. It impacted. It, it impacted. It had an impact. Gender roles and what that meant and woman's place. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. How like how do you describe diet culture? What does that mean to you? Diet culture is a system of oppression based on uh, food and a hierarchy of body size. And I think seeing health as kind of way put up on a pedestal, mm-hmm. like health is the most important thing you can do with your life. And here is the ways to achieve it, even though it's not even close to a one size fits all yeah but i do see it as a system of oppression with rules and expectations um to yeah. gain power and influence yeah so is it health is on a pedestal or like skinniness is on a pedestal well and that's has been synonymous yeah right so right um seeing someone who is thinner historically has been seen as oh that's person's healthy yeah like bullshit it actually does not yeah. seem to correlate really but that's still is the messaging if you see someone who's, uh, yeah, like in a smaller size or has like a certain muscle structure or is running, ah, they are healthy. Oh, this person in a larger body who is sitting down, they are not. And yet, really, there's not much correlation. Yeah. I I didn't grow up with like a lot of compliments about like how beautiful I am because uh, I'm different. I've got curly, kind of crazy red hair. I got a lot of freckles. Like I didn't have like that clear complexion, long blonde hair. Like so I didn't ever get compliments like you're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I got compliments like you're so cute. Mm-hmm. And so I just like leaned in, into that cuteness, you sure. know, so like kind of like went a little eccentric, right? Like I like quirkiness and cuteness mm-hmm. because that was how I was complimented, mm-hmm. right? And so and then being able to realize it like oh my gosh this has like pinned me against all of my Ugh. like all of sisterhood all of womanhood mm. right and so yeah just well and cute is is in a way like two different things yes it's an appearance-based thing but also can it be a personality yeah and it kind of seems like you leaned into both yeah like, I was like okay cool I'm cute and I <laughs> that like, is who I am yeah I am a cute girl like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah, I think. But that's then that made it really scary for me. Like I couldn't ever like really be friends with a woman who was 
beautiful or gorgeous mm, because oh my gosh like then uh my boyfriend or my husband would like desire her more like mm. I had to like I had to put myself in a hierarchy you know like well you want to know what like I make a lot of money like you want to know what like I like I work really hard like I had mm. to put myself in a hierarchy because I couldn't compete physically and I felt like well that's what all the men are like judging us on like mm. that physicality and like I don't compare and so and I don't feel this way now like I've done a lot of like personal work to be like actually I am sexy yeah (laughs) but like I never felt that way for a long time (laughs) and so what it did is it made like any woman who I perceived as beautiful I like she was my enemy totally she was your competition oh yeah Mm -hmm. totally sounds like scarcity mindset like there is only 12 men in this world and damn it I'm gonna have one of them like yeah Mm -hmm. it's like well you know I think yeah there's enough to go around, but yeah, that yeah. definitely comes out of scarcity mindset, which I definitely have played into too. Yeah. And yeah so just hearing you know, like everything you explained so far, I'm just like, oh, this is actually very validating. Well, I'm like diet culture is something, I loved how you said it's like a system of oppression. Mm-hmm. I feel like nobody wins, you know, in mm-hmm. diet culture. Like I think one of the biggest things that's confusing to me is there's really not a safe place. Like, if a woman – like, I just feel like there's never a win for yeah. whoever it is. Like, Lindsay Lohan was this, like, all-American girl, loved so much, and then she was trash, a total – She was crazy. Work. Mm. Yeah, she was crazy. Mm. She was too loud or whatever. And I see that happen to a lot of women in the media all of the time, no matter, yeah. no matter what it is. So I feel like with diet culture, you know, you're reading – don't eat carbs no you eat carbs don't eat sugar don't like so it was i just was just constantly moving target right like and it's trendy some years yeah to avoid carbs but have all the fats in other years it's actually fat free in other years it's actually sugar is the enemy and Mm -hmm. how convenient that there are products like that are being you know designed right along with this like no wonder it's a billion dollar industry yeah, it just seems kind of tricky, like this moving target. You didn't think you had a problem until someone convinced you there was a problem that actually wasn't, but here's Mm. the solution. Give me your money, and I will lean into that insecurity in order to get the money. Like, ick. Okay, so we've talked a lot about, like, how diet culture is detrimental, like, maybe uh, mentally or, like, socially. Mm -hmm. What about actually physically? Like, if we're starving ourselves of certain things, like – is it fine, like, as long as we get the right amount of macros or, like, the right amount of calories? Or, like, how does, like, eliminating something from your diet or drastically changing your diet, like, mm-hmm. is that detrimental or or do our bodies adapt and we're fine? Yeah, so, so physiologically, it kind of really depends body to body and what that body's nutrients look like. All I know is for sure out of, um, it, again, out of scarcity mindset, mm-hmm. let's say you're avoiding sugar, okay? Um, and then you have one day a week that you allow yourself that cheat day. What happens on that cheese day? A cheat, cheese day. You know, I'm thinking about cheese. <laughs> what happens on the cheat day is like you <laughs> lean hard into all the sugar yeah. things. You have all the sugar things. And then you don't feel good physically. So you're like, see what sugar does to me? See, I'm freaking addicted to it. See, I... I, it's oh. bad for me. I'm going to hone down even harder on my yeah. no sugar thing. Mm-hmm. And and then, yeah, because it, it feeds into this like guilt yeah. and restriction. And so you're going yes. to have a jaded relationship with whatever you are restricting 
Mm. because it's so scarce so now it's either way up on a pedestal like it's the one thing I can't have or like or then you feel guilty if you have it so like I'd see that yes is an issue can be like a shame cycle like you work so hard and then you have this cheat day and then you judge yourself for the things that you ate and so then you double down harder but then well when I've done things like that like in my past I like hold myself up in my room and then I eat a whole box of Oreos Mm -hmm. instead of just like the four or the 10 or, you know, whatever it is. But then I double down on my shame. Right. And so what I see physiologically, sometimes the impacts of this are, are again, like you're getting stomach aches now from eating the thing because you have so much guilt and shame and anxiety about what you ate. So now you're like, see, I really am gluten intolerant. Like, actually, you're not. You you don't have celiac disease. You can tolerate gluten just fine. You just feel crazy guilty about it because of yeah. what diet culture messaging yeah. has done to you. Um, so I yeah. see trends like that impacting people physically. But also, like, if we're restricting calories or something, it's a survival mechanism that will obsess about whatever we are depriving yeah. ourselves of in yeah. order to hopefully get us to eat whatever like it's trying to keep us alive so you wonder why you're obsessing about food and carbs and whatever like maybe you're restricting it maybe you're not getting actually enough Mm. yeah yeah it was survival yeah it's just trying to keep you alive like thanks body but like then we hate our body for like how dare you make me hungry and how dare you make me crave these things okay it's just trying to keep you alive and balanced and I think that's like one of the most heartbreaking parts about body image, diet culture, the way that we experience our lives in, in these bodies is that they they do, like they are our vessel. They do help us accomplish the things and and it is our enemy. Like, oh, my love handles. Oh, my cellulite. Like mm. we like hate parts of ourselves. Mm. And yeah, that in and of itself is heartbreaking and like that's detrimental. <laughs> Sorry, no no question there. Just, just, just grief yeah. about it. Just grief. Totally. Totally. That we live in a society where that's like let's yeah. But let's make you super self conscious about your love handles. Yeah. So you don't actually spend the time like building the relationships around you or like yes. don't build that business. Like, no, let's yeah. just have you obsess about where Yeah. Like your mm. body. I don't know. Yeah. <sighs> um yeah. I'm interested to know. Like the mind-body connection, Mm -hmm. what happens to someone's body when you're so against yourself mentally? Like Mm. what happens if someone hates themselves? Mm -hmm. Is there, you know, mental effects of that? Is there physical effects of that? Like long-term, short-term? Yeah, I mean, what what a miserable existence, right, to – to be so at war with your vessel and when I guess I what I'd say to them is I would want them to write a letter to their body a thank you letter because I'm guessing you have not expressed much appreciation for that vessel that is working so hard to heal you from that scab or like Mm -hmm. that muscle tear right like your body has done this for you Mm -hmm. and what are you doing for it like are you just shitting all over it after it's done this and this and it's digesting its food for you and it's like giving you sleep so yeah maybe taking it some time to write a letter to your body and expressing some genuine gratitude for that yeah Mm -hmm. Ooh, like maybe a little window of gratitude would be a good place to like 
start to lean in totally to that yeah I'm I'm interested to know your journey from working at a treatment center to starting your own practice and having a niche like you have a you have an audience Mm -hmm. do you want to tell us that journey yeah yeah really um I don't know I guess I just wanted therapy to be a little more like irreverent and approachable I guess when I was 17 years old and going to therapy it was with like older gentlemen in suits Mm -hmm. and it was like at a hospital setting or and I just I don't know that was not what 17 year old depressed me needed Mm. by any means so and I never saw any therapists honestly that were like young and cute and had rips in their jeans and swore like I didn't know that was a thing so I thought I want to be that thing so really like working Mm. in at Center for Change which a phenomenal hospital but you know also is clinical and more tucked in and reverent as it kind of needs to be Um, so after I got really that education from that place which was so valuable I thought okay now is finally my chance to give therapy the flavor that I yeah. think it's always been needing. Yeah. Um, here's a little spice to, to <laughs> sugar, some sugar and spice to your therapy experience yeah. that I hadn't really seen. And now I'm starting to see it pop up more. It seems to be more normalized. Yeah. Um, but at least yeah, growing up it wasn't. So I think that really inspired why I wanted to create Modern Eve and saw a need. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. tell us about Modern Eve. Yeah, Modern Eve – is a mental health and dietary clinic. We offer online services as well as in person. Um, our dietitians are specially trained in treating eating disorders and can work with people in a bunch of different states, whereas our therapists can only work with people in Utah, but are also also have special training in eating disorders, trauma, anxiety, depression, faith transition stuff is kind of our jam. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see that a lot of it ties together? Yeah. Yes, as far as like the systems of undue influence, systems of, of oppression, a lot of similarities. Yeah. For sure. And maybe that is a one way I've con- been able to conceptualize or have a ton of empathy and sympathy. Like for people going through eating disorders is because of like my faith transition journey. Mm-hmm. And that is mm-hmm. – there's a lot of common themes yeah. to that. Well, I mean, I think one primes you for the other. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Why are those common? Why why does your practice focus on faith transitions and body image? Like, why does it go hand in hand? Because in my mind, I'm like, oh, is it because of Utah and the religion? Is that why? Or is that everywhere? Like, is that? Yeah, so... I think so it was more like I just had a personal interest in like the faith transition stuff but I didn't have any clinical training or expertise in that I just kept in seeing that those were the clients I was attracting really Mm. in my eating disorder work and then getting curious about the themes okay why is it that so many people yeah are are coming with these issues so you'll see higher rates of eating disorders in highly religious areas is not an uncommon trend or areas where women have a little less power, um, mm. you're going to see higher prevalences of Ooh. eating disorders and body image issues, as well as like LA 
or like areas where yeah. you kind of need to have the, there's really an appearance based market there. Yeah. So I think those are some outliers as well. Yeah. Why? Why do you see higher rates of eating disorders in areas that women have less power? Because body image appearance is a way to gain power mm. in this society. And both it was both evolutionary and now functionally. But yeah, I'm trying to think of the words. So so yeah, I mean if you want to get that job promotion and you see the people who has have the most friends or the most Instagram followers, right? There is a correlation here with this pretty privilege. Mm-hmm. that so does exist mm-hmm. as much as we would like to just even the playing field and have it not exist it does and so we you know aren't getting paid as equal here mm-hmm. and we don't have the same type of like educational opportunities perhaps because we are programmed to you know get pregnant at 18 which is fine but like also that's going to take away some of these mm. some of these powers and so we're going to yeah. take it back in other ways Um, And so those are some of the ways that women tend to take it back in highly religious areas. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Well, and then once you have access to money, then you have access to, like, Botox. Yes. All the plastic surgery, all the the lasers and the freezing things. I don't know. It's Mm -hmm. always changing. Like, what's the latest technology on that? And, again, you don't see these billboards – driving through certain parts of the country. But you certainly see them in Utah County. I mean, you see them in yeah. Salt Lake County too, but like you turn around that point of the mountain and even more so. Yeah. They are there. They know mm-hmm. that is their market. There, It is a way to show I have, look how much my husband earns or like how well I'm doing. Because if I have the time to buy all organic food and create them all from scratch and if I have the time to go to yoga every day, guess what? Like you are probably in a higher class like generally and so we're Uh, gonna we're gonna try to go for that look yeah and fight for that aesthetic so oh whoa whoa Whoa. okay there are so many things that are running through my mind Ooh, shannon i just like want to know what your brain is thinking right now (laughs) like i just like want to know does this stuff make you angry well, okay, so my brain goes to two places right now. One is I fear for the general the general statements I just made because I know there are, are exceptions to this, and I know it's going to piss some people off. They'll yeah. say, no, I love putting on makeup. Mm-hmm. I love it, and I love going to yoga. Like, and I can already hear the pushback because I know those people are going to be listening, and they yeah. do exist. Yeah. Totally fair. But again, like what what is socially – constructed what would you do if there was no other humans on this earth because i promise you i would not paint the ink on my eyelashes yeah that i do yeah. if all of the people were not on the earth like yeah you know what i mean like but if you would still be doing yoga fair yeah fair so that's like one part that goes through it is like oh my gosh backtrack a little bit because i know there's exceptions to that and whatever but then yeah another it's just, I guess, grieving is just sad. Mm-hmm. That, and I think that's honestly what I see now when I see this like hot stuff Instagram influencer. You know, initially I go, oh, she's cute. Mm-hmm. And then I go, how sad mm-hmm. that she must not have, 
I don't know, maybe like the same kind of power and must not know that her worth, like she doesn't actually have to do all that I can see that she has done to take that picture and get ready and all the money that has gone into that shot. I feel kind of sad for her that she had to do all that. Yeah. Yeah. Because what is your experience, you know, as a therapist and holding space for individuals who really have struggled in this area and it's brought a lot of shame, a lot of... I think that it takes a lot of time, like eating disorders. Mm. A lot of time and a lot of isolation. Yeah. Like what – do you want to define what an eating disorder is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, an eating disorder – let's look at that versus disordered eating. Okay. Is going to be when you have like met some clinical markers. So some being like, okay, it's like purging this amount – in a month or eating this amount over what's like typical for that occasion like this many times in a row over the course of three months as well as having like a distorted body image so not seeing yourself accurately to how other people are seeing you can be weight markers Um, it can be certain like lab indicators yeah there's like a, a book called the dsm where you actually go step by step and meet these clinical markers But, like, as far as what people would see in their friends and loved ones, you see this obsession of appearance or calories, eating a certain way, and that's really taking up such a huge portion of their life that it's impacting relationships, impacting physical health. That's more of, like, what your listeners would see Mm -hmm. in the loved ones. Mm Yeah. In their loved ones, yeah. And Um, then you said, or disordered eating. So what? Yeah, what is that? Just is that just being on a diet or? I mean, yes. Okay. Yes. So, disordered eating is essentially just like letting food have just such a big place and mental focus in Mm. in your world in your life that's just doesn't feel super balanced. And so, yeah, I don't know too many people who are able to go on a diet without having to spend a lot of mental energy planning out their their meals and their like workouts Mm -hmm. and yeah I don't know measuring things weighing things just takes a lot of mental energy that we'd probably consider unbalanced yeah Mm. and so you're you try to help people eat more intuitively ultimately ultimately so coming initially out of an eating disorder your relationship with your body is, is pretty rough and so you're kind of not trusting its cues as far as like hunger fullness maybe it stopped giving you those indicators of you're hungry or you're full mm. so honestly it's depending on how into an eating disorder someone is intuitive eating isn't something we can just jump right into until that relationship with body is to like a, a better place mm. then it makes more sense to start learning to intuitively eat so how do you start to form a better relationship with your own body? What are some of like the steps or some of the guidelines that you set out for people? Yeah, I'd say we try to get them to a place of like body tolerance. Let's say they're from body hate, if they're coming from that. Like body tolerance. Okay, so and then there's like body neutrality mm. and body acceptance, body gratitude are kind of all stepping stones to get more of mm. this pod- positive body image relationship so it's going to be even noticing when that self-talk or like you are blaming your problems your life's problems on your body like oh it's it's my body's fault that that guy didn't text me back like 
okay probably not like but I know that that's the narrative yeah that it's kind of this catch-all yeah. for I didn't get the job because of my body or I didn't get yeah. these privileges because of my body and and again I'm like I realize that for some people in a marginalized population that actually might be a little bit true but for I think the vast majority it's not all your body's fault of why these things aren't going your way so I think mm. first of all like noticing that narrative and getting honest with yourself about like okay what if it's not or even exploring the possibility of maybe it's not all my body's or it's not all my appearances fault yeah that yes. I didn't get the part that I didn't get the job yeah. but then yeah I think really working on the the gratitude piece or even just like how did your body serve you this day doing you know what muscles are you engaging right now is just to have me like sit here at a table and appreciating that because that is yeah. privilege that not everyone has yeah and yeah especially if people are like oh, I just I just hate my thighs I hate my thighs so do the thought experiment of okay so let's let's just get rid of them then like you hate them so much like great let's let's amputate them now what are the things how would your life be different you know let's yeah. let's look at it that way because guess what they're actually serving you amazingly and some people would kill to have thighs so like ooh, ooh, why does uh, that make me emotional oh what's yeah let's talk about that <laughs> like what's coming up for you oh i yeah I mean, I think that's really beautiful, and I think it's just, like, such con- – like, that's, like, polar opposite of, like, I think how I would normally look at my body, you know? Mm. I mean, especially because, like, I don't know. Like, do you see that there's, like, a part of a body that, like, maybe women in general, like, hate the most? Like, our stomach, perhaps? Yeah. Is that, like – Stomach mm. and thighs, I hear the most. Yeah. And so, like, I have, like, a giant scar mm. from having my babies, mm-hmm. and so – yeah, if I could just get rid of that, yeah, like what kinds of things would I miss out on? It's a very different way of looking at things, very opposite, and I think it like does call in a lot of gratitude. This is sad. It's like sad that we don't think like that normally. It is sad. It's like it's so sad that like, oh wow, what a beautiful thing that happens. And, and we just, like, look at it with so much disgust. I know, right? Yeah. It you sucks. just, like, feel sad about that. <laughs> Understandably. <laughs> like, like, and what's the story, you know, that comes behind that scar, right? Like, that yeah. scar tells a beautiful story. Yeah. And and I guess what I, I fear is uh, so many people who are, like, into, like, body positivity are, like, they would say, oh, great, like, let's put all these, the scar cream on it. Let's get, let's use lasers to get rid of. Yeah. the scar or like oh you don't like your thighs let's work on that cellulite yeah. or like I don't know that's like totally missing the point yeah it's you're reaffirming that it is a problem mm-hmm. when it's actually yeah. not yeah that's straight up not a problem and it's a lie from society that has told you it's a problem so like let's not buy into that by yeah by trying to change it yeah like, let's work on accepting that yeah mm-hmm. it sounds like this is actually like a really maybe a kind of a slow process and that it requires a lot of patience and grace. Definitely. Oh, definitely. Because even when I'm just like, okay, yeah, let's like body love, body acceptance. Let's get there. And you're like, well, maybe we should start with body tolerance. And I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> like, wow, this takes a while, which I think leads me into like my next thought of, so we can know these things, right? Like I told you, like, oh, I think this is like a system. Conceptualize it. Yeah. yeah. Like, like 
I can know that, like, logically, this is bullshit. Sure. But I can still look in the mirror and be like, but I would like to lose 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. Like, even though I logically know I it. So how do you, like, mm. how do you, like, just, or even, you know, like, so we're all Glennon lovers here. <laughs> we are. And she, she is, like, doing the work of, like, empowering women and taking down the patriarchy. And even she, you know, deals with this at such a personal and intense level. So, like, oh, my gosh, like, what, as a society, as, you know, from one woman to another woman, like, how do we help be able to, like, know this in our bones instead of just know this in our mind. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think that's such a great question because you're right. I mean, knowing it in your mind is is a first step and an enormous hurdle, and it sounds like you, you're doing the work yeah. on that one. Um, but, yeah, it's allowing yourself to feel those feelings and grieve when you are looking back at yourself in the mirror and you feel that, that – and you notice that thought of, I want to lose this weight. Yeah. And, yeah, I guess – grieving that you know what I'm going to choose not to because of what that would mean what sacrifices would that actually look like for my body Mm. Um, what time would I need to spend away from my family in order to spend the time at the gym or is it really worth my mental health um, to do these things and if the answer is no then you're kind of grieving Mm. that Mm. Um, you know or if the answer is yes then it's a conscious yeah, I am doing this so I can feel competitive in this society and I feel like I'm getting my power back and that that is fair if that is a choice that is made. But knowing that consciously you're feeding into a cycle that won't just end because you've lost that weight. Uh, mm. And I so, think that's what's hard, hard for people because yeah. they are convinced that it is. Yeah. It's just about that weight. If I just lose the 10 pounds – then I'll be fine. Then I'll be Then fine. I'll look in the mirror and be like, I look great if I and just And now I can head. focus on my family. Now I can focus on that business I wanted to do. Yeah. How, oh, shit. Yeah, okay. Like, I mean, you're, yeah, it's kind of like avoiding the point. Like, oh. Why, yeah. Why do our brains do that? It, it feels like a self-sabotage. Like, what is that I'll be happy when mm-hmm. blank? I'll be happy when my thighs are skinnier. I'll be happier when uh, when I can fit back into this dress mm-hmm. or when I can lose that baby weight. Or I'm constantly hearing that women will be happy with themselves. When? When. Totally. Yeah. I will only give myself permission when. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. And I, my guess, honestly, is that it's it's just a more tangible thing, like – that is something that I can actually concretely see and know that I fit into this oh, pair yeah. of pants again versus the whole, how do I even be happy if I'm not? Like, yeah. that's a lot more daunting of a task. And so let's just put it into something really concrete, getting yeah. down to a certain weight. I think that's, yeah, just a human nature attempt at seeing it so you can solve it, even though okay. you're kind of missing the mark. Yeah. That's my guess. Yeah. Logically, I feel like I understand like substance abuse addiction mm. so much more than I understand disordered eating or it, it kind of just seems like shame cycles. Mm-hmm. Like because someone who is addicted to heroin, uh, there's like chemical reasons for that that's going on within the body and their systems and right like there's uh, their body gets physically addicted to the substance and when you take that substance away their body feels the repercussions of that sure. and so a lot of people go chasing that high to not feel that 
ickiness, mm. right? But eating disorders and this hate toward self that has kind of infected a lot of our society and like the things that we are exposed to every single day. But it's so nuanced and it's so different. One of my very best friends uh, struggled with an eating disorder and she went to the center of change and it was really challenging to watch her go through that and like seeing the way that she viewed herself. Like that was just like really challenging to just witness that chapter of her life. But it's so different. And sometimes like I wonder if there's like pieces of me that are similar to the pieces in her, right? And like, and you can't just take food out of your life. Totally. Yeah. Like, it's not a food addiction. That's not. It's okay. Yeah. Like, and, and honestly, that's the way I originally was like taught to conceptualize an eating disorder is like, oh, it's an addiction. And I just don't see it that way. Okay. Like now, honestly. How do you see it? I see it as a control tactic to just try and be happy to try and Mm. have friends or like what is it that that smaller body or whatever it is that you're going after what is it that that's promising like inclusion is that what you're lacking love is that what you're lacking like Mm -hmm. it's an attempt to get at these things that are, are great goals and great normal things to want and society has taught us that these are ways to get those mm-hmm. but they're not exactly accurate so yeah and even though there are aspects to an eating disorder that can have like a, a calming effect or um you know as if it like an addiction would it's yeah I just don't conceptualize it quite the same mm. well and you talked about at the beginning in the introduction you talked about like perfectionism like how does that play in there yeah well well okay you think about like for a lot of us you know if we want to be like a good girl in a family like (laughs) okay maybe going to a drug addiction is just really not in character uh you know we we have this persona to protect we Mm -hmm. want to be social and liked and all of these things so i think for these people that i've worked with it does make more sense to go to something more subtle or something that you can really get away with. And that is socially applauded too. Yeah. Like even oh, your shit. your parents could maybe see, oh, like how good she's eating. Mm. Yeah. Great. That feeds that. That fuels yeah. that. Versus if you were smoking pot, then it's like, oh, oh no, now you're the trouble child. No, no, no. Trouble children are typically not the ones with the eating disorders. They are the ones who are the peacemakers and the quiet ones when the family is falling apart. They are the one who's not the problem. Mm. Yeah. That just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I see that. I see the truth in that. And I, uh, okay, so it kind of sounds like a control thing. Yeah. Like it sounds like these feelings come up within an individual and sometimes if we can't make sense of it, we have to make ourselves the problem. We yes. kind of are villainizing ourselves. Yes. Is there a healthier option instead of turning against yourself? Mm, yes. So a general trend, again, this is not for everyone, but a general trend is before when I was working with, with addictions and troubled teens, they were taking no responsibility for their actions. It was everyone else's fault. Mm-hmm. 
flip that to working with eating disorders, it was all perceived as 100% their fault and nothing was anyone else's fault. Mm -hmm. It was totally them. So it was almost like an opposite technique where you needed to use where like someone with an eating disorder, where can we actually get angry? Because the anger is all going inside, which has been completely detrimental. Mm. And where can some of the anger go outside? Like, is it to these aspects of the patriarchy? Is it to these aspects of diet culture? Like, let's get pissed outward so the anger doesn't keep on going in. Um, Who can we share this blame with? Because promise it's not all you. Yeah. Mm. Dude, I think that's been, like, one of the most helpful things for me. Because, like, okay, I'm a good girl. When you said, I'm a good girl, I was like, oh, you're talking to me. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. We're rule followers. We like rules, right? I literally tell that to my husband all the time. Like, I'm a rule follower. Like, yes, all the rules. Uh, And so, like, one of the most helpful things for me to actually, like, well, something that helped shift enough in me was I, it was, like, the most rebellious thing I could do was, like, eat a cookie at 10 o'clock at night and love myself and enjoy the cookie. Boom. Like, that was, like, well, give me that cream cheese frosting. And, like, that, like, seemed so rebellious. And it was, like, that anger instead of, like, pointing into, like, you're such an idiot for giving into this cookie. Like, and so I was, like, oh, no. Like, look how rebellious I am. And guess what? I'm still going to have sex tonight even yeah. though I ate the cream cheese cookie. You know what I mean? Like, it was learning to, like, look at that as, like, a rebellious act um, that helped me make some of these shifts. And so I feel like, oh, yeah, dude, that's what you're saying. Like, who, uh, like, instead of pointing it inward, like, who helps carry this blame? And then dismantling those systems instead of running ourselves ragged and starving ourselves to death. Totally. Totally. Because that's yeah. going to end up having a terrible relationship with your body yeah. if you're going to – if you treat your body like shit, like, yeah, no wonder. Like, you have yeah. a jacked-up relationship with it. Yeah. But, but I love that idea of, like – Taking your power back yeah. by, like, eating the damn cookie whenever you want to. Yeah. Because, mm. yeah, yeah, that's totally how you do it. Yeah. And you, whatever it is you're feeling kind of, like, shame or naughty about, first of all, getting curious about, like, what made you feel shameful or naughty about it. But then, yeah, trying to do it, even if it brings up a lot of anxiety and guilt and yeah. stuff, it'd be like, you know what? This is me taking my power back. It's me pushing back against those rules. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But that's hard for a good girl yeah. to do sometimes. Oh, it's really yeah. hard. No, I know the exact hours in which it's appropriate for me to eat and what categories of food I can eat at those times. And, like, yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of rules society societally around food. And so – Well, and then it's internalized. So just like you said right there, like, you, you probably have a list of food rules. And if we got real honest and took some time, there's probably a lot of – interesting ones that you're like why is that a thing yeah I've been doing that for years yeah. oh yeah like I always eat eat my salad first so I can feel more full first or I always drink a full glass of water before like yeah hey this is all out of diet culture and this is all your attempts to feel in control over something that like yeah it's I mean it's so deeply ingrained into these yeah micro things that we do but yeah what are some of the things that like you hear Maybe, like, as you're scrolling through Instagram or as you're in casual conversation with people, you know, like, when you're not when you're not wearing your therapist hat, but <laughs> you're just, like, a citizen in society. What are some of the things you hear that you're just, like, ooh, cringeworthy? Like, oh, what are some of those common things that, like, we can maybe start to let go of because they no longer serve us? Yeah, I'd say the labeling of food, good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'd say that's one that definitely is, like, ooh, ooh. Um, it's, like... 
I'm so bad. Or or someone told me the other day because someone offered me a cookie and I'm like, no thanks. And they're like, oh, it's because she's being good. And I wanted to explode. <laughs> I was so pissed. But like, she's a sweet old lady. I'm like, okay, yeah. this is not the time or place. Pick your battle, Shannon. Oh Pick my your gosh. But I was going to be like, it is not because I'm good. You are just as good for taking that cookie. Don't you even make this about that. Like, oh. Yeah. Losing a rail. So stuff like that. Um, feeling the need to earn or mm-hmm. have repentance mm-hmm. uh, for eating certain mm. things. Earning by exercising. Earning by restriction. Ugh. I'm just. I can't. Because then it's like, okay, I get that that's your rule for yourself. But like, now what, is, what does that mean for me? Someone who like doesn't yeah. find joy in exercise. Yeah. Or like, yeah. Because that barrier doesn't exist, right? Like the, the rules we hold ourselves to really are the rules we're like holding other people to secretly or judgmentally, right? I mean, like, so it kind of, yeah, sometimes, sometimes not. But I get that like it's just, I don't know, putting that attitude out into the environment yeah. that even, okay, your child in the other room just heard that. Yeah. And what do they internalize because of that? Like, okay, now they're the person who, like, they're wanting to go out and play with their friend. And, no, I can't have that snack. I can't have the fruit snacks because we have to go play outside first and then we can have the fruit snack. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been trying to, like, do some reflecting as we were sitting here in this conversation. I don't think that I did get a lot of body comments, but it was fed to me – through, like, my peers and, like, the things that, like, like I remember, like, getting aware more, like, in middle school and stuff like that. Like, I, there was a friend who her parents had locks on the cupboards mm. until they got home. So, mm-hmm. like, they weren't allowed to eat any food mm-hmm. after school until their parents got home. And, you know, my friend – and this is, like, what? Shelby, seventh grade brain, you know, sure. processing so this. Seventh like, grade like, memory. I'm, like, really young – But I remember internalizing, because my friend had, like, such a reasonable explanation as to why her cupboards were locked. And it was like, oh, well, I shouldn't eat. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't snack. Or, like, Mm -hmm. there's, like, so much going on. And I think so much of us are impacted before our brains are fully developed. And so we're getting messaging. It's not just from our parents. Right. It's from your friends. It's from your school. It's like when your teacher says, like, oh, I'm being naughty and she's eating a donut. Right. And, like, you're – like, you don't realize. Like, so – Right. What is that – what is that as far as, like, in the therapy or, like, the brain world? Like, is that, that, like, your subconscious? Is that, like – how do – like, because we're all kind of living by these rules – but it sounds like as we get older, none of us want to live by them anymore. No, we're so over it. We're like, so it's over like it. It's such a theme I see. Like people will hit a breaking point somewhere usually around the age 30. Age 30, I see where they're like, you know what? I've been following these rules for so long. And they don't work. And they don't work. Yeah. And I'm miserable. Maybe they do work. Maybe it keeps me super like at this weight I want, but I'm hungry all the time. I'm honoring all the time. I don't get good sleep. I have a bad relationship with my sure. family. Like, yeah. Like, this is, is miserable. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So, so yes, I mean, I do think, I think they're subconscious often. You know, it's not super conscious. And I do think it was helpful that I was a little older when I started getting these messages sure. versus getting them at age three. But, yeah, they're all around us, right? Like, there's things that you start picking up on, even just in watching Disney movies. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, okay. All of the, or at least this is how it was back in the day where, like, the villains had 
British accents and we're in larger bodies. Like, what? <laughs> what? Okay. Okay. So now, like, that's implanting some things. Or then yeah. all the princesses um, look a certain way, yeah. have a certain Delight, body type. Super skinny. Hair is perfect. Yep. That little waist. Yeah. Yeah. And not that that's, like, inherently wrong. But it's just when when that's what you're fed yeah. so often. And those are the people in the commercials that are the ones that look happy. And the only people who look sad in commercials are the ones who are old and in larger bodies. Okay. You know, just super uh, subconscious yeah. placement, which we can fight off, I think, if we're getting enough of the alternative messages or even just, I don't know, raising people to be critical mm. consumers of yeah. media yeah. Um, and questioning things when you yeah. see discrepancies. Yeah. Can you share what some of that would look like? Like, for like, what could I do as a consumer? So what I'm hearing you say is representation matters. Yes. And what can I do as a consumer to hopefully make a difference? Because I'm done with this crap. Yeah. Like, this sure. is stupid. Sure. So a couple things. Screenshotting something that is diet culture messaging have – the caption like fuck this or like a yeah. flipping off emoji and post it to your story um is one way to even just create awareness about yeah i'm seeing what this is and i don't like it yeah you're mm. unfollowing you're reporting things as harmful um Ooh. on your feeds and also making sure your feeds are curated with stuff that is healthy messaging are you seeing people of all body types ages genders if not then you're probably only buying the products of the other white girls who live in Utah and kind of yeah you know what I mean and so I think I kind of looking sometimes social media wise is a great first step okay curating your feed really daring to unfollow those things that are posting before and after pictures yeah. your friend that is peddling the weight loss supplements like yeah yeah like that's be brave it. and unfollow yeah those things right and then instead follow people who are mm. yeah more body positive or anti-diet or things that fuel your soul even you know yeah. kitty cats right like sure yeah things that fuel your soul that makes so everybody happy are yeah. things like this if a lot of the messaging that we receive and the feelings that we have toward ourselves or of others is subconscious and it is something that's kind of embedded in our memories and our lives and mm-hmm. in our you know dna or something what what does that look like to reprogram are you reprogramming when you are unfollowing and being conscious like does my does my question make sense yeah yeah so it's what i think it's doing is it's stopping at least like the harm so there's still a wound there but you're not reopening it all the time so it's actually going to give it a chance to eventually heal sure it's going to heal faster if you you know are actively doing your self-help work listening to podcasts going to therapy it'll heal quicker but yeah like you're it's just hard to heal when you're already surrounded by so much diet culture messaging. So yeah. what can we do to protect ourselves from that? Maybe yes. it's not going to lunch with that friend who talks all about that. Or, yeah, how can we give that wound mm. a chance to, like, heal a little bit? Yeah. Mm. Okay, so for someone like me. So I have a daughter. I have a five-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. And, like, I will be damned if she, like, has to, like <laughs> – have some of these experiences that I feel like were such a waste of my time and energy, like sure. such a waste of like I chapters know. of my life, right? Oh, so sad. And so, yeah. uh, yeah, dude, I was a cheerleader in high school, cheerleader in college. I'm a college cheerleader, man. Oh my, we had weigh-ins. No. We had weigh-ins, dude. Oh, that sucks. I quit cheer on a weigh-in day because I gained weight and I like, Ugh. 
And I was just like, I can't. Like, I'm working out incessantly. And, and of course, I'm you got weight. mad at yourself instead of getting mad at that freaking system or that coach yeah. for being yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. 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 And so – Absolutely. And so I think like, okay, what are some, I mean, you're kind of talking about like, okay, how we, like, as we're going through our own social media, like how, like those messages we're feeding ourselves, what is like maybe one or two things we can do to implement, like maybe the language that we're speaking around our, mm. our children mm-hmm. really? Cause I, I did want to say like, I mean, I think in the age of social media, things that maybe didn't impact men and their image, I think are probably like, it's probably being exasperated now too, because I mean, men are scrolling through and seeing mm-hmm. bodybuilders or tough guys or what. I mean, right, it's, it's, right, I think right. it's infiltrating. Like, it doesn't matter what gender you are. But, like, how can we as uh, parents change some of the things, like, maybe even our, in our own household for our children and our future generation? Yeah. Yeah. A couple couple tangible things would be um, using language. Like, you're focusing on function over aesthetic. Mm, um, okay. So, like – Oh, how how strong your arms were that just lifted this thing. Yeah. Or like, ooh, your heart must be like beating so quick. Uh, you, yeah, just focusing on function. It has nothing to do with what the ah, body looks okay. like is okay. a great tangible shift. Um, and then another thing would be, um, I think, getting rid of a scale in the home as well as yeah. like diet foods. Yeah. Um, just those are like real subtle messaging, again, that are just saying this is important yeah. to your parents. Again, yeah. they're probably not pushing this on you, right? They're probably, hopefully not. And But you're just, yeah, it's implanting a message that this matters to them. Yeah. And maybe it should matter to me. So yeah. I'd say those are some great yeah. tangible things. Okay. Yeah, I love that. That something I just hear every single day is I'm not sick enough to need help or I'm not mm-hmm. sick enough to warrant help or it's not that bad. I'm not thin enough to have an eating disorder. Things like this yeah. here daily. And so just, yeah, like if you don't like what your relationship with your food and body, great. That is literally enough to warrant getting some help. Mm. Even if you are very functional on eating next to nothing, like doesn't mean you don't have an eating disorder. And or just because you are not in a smaller body doesn't mean you don't have an eating disorder. There are plenty of people in larger bodies that have significant life-threatening eating disorders. Mm. What can awareness do? for individuals as they navigate this life because I'm feeling like there's a lot of introspective questions that need to be had with yourself like okay why am I not eating why am I eating this Mm -hmm. like what are there like maybe a few questions that we could offer to our listeners um to maybe up their own awareness with their relationship with their body and food and what is it that but you believe you'll have if you accomplish your weight loss goal or whatever like what is what is that really about and let's get honest about that I think is and then maybe how have you been tricked by the media or how have you been tricked by your peers to believe one thing or another Mm -hmm about food do you enjoy a good meal do you enjoy like do you feel joy Mm. I mean I feel like that was something that like I recognized like oh yeah it felt like it was like a complete obligatory thing I did it as least as possible yeah I felt shame when I indulged Mm -hmm. rather than just realizing like actually (laughs) this bowl of ice cream is delicious (laughs) totally totally and like that 
you don't have to just be hungry in order to have permission to eat. Um, mm. You can literally be feeling emotions and still eat too without it being like, oh, that's emotional eating or whatever. Mm. Like, yeah. not necessarily. Like, actually, there's a lot of great reasons to eat that don't involve being hungry. Yeah. Like, okay, is it your kid's birthday party and they're having cake? Like, yeah, have a piece. Or, yeah, you don't yeah. always have to be hungry to have permission to eat, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's Ooh, another man. thing. Yeah, or like I think getting honest about what what do the feelings of, of hunger bring up in you? What emotions do those bring up? How about fullness? What emotions do those bring up? Getting curious about that. I love how often I'm finding like curiosity is an incredible tool yeah. that yes. we should utilize more often. Yes, curiosity is like the opposite of judgment. Yeah. Um, and so mm. I think – coming from a place where I was extremely judgmental the judgiest of the judgiest like yeah being curious and shifting that has been so cool and freeing and yeah leaves opportunity for so many more answers than yeah. whatever answer I automatically came up with so yeah. I love curiosity that will dismantle these oppressive systems remember they teach us not to be curious that's curiosity right killed the cat that's right don't question mm-hmm. don't question the messages you are yeah you are fed wow. right we have definitely been taught that yeah. both in lots of systems of oppression. Yeah. Yet curiosity is like an imperative tool. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, I'm curious about <laughs> modern Eve. So this is a practice that anyone can reach out to and receive, you know, help or guidance from a therapist, but also see like a nutritionist or yeah yeah they're registered dietitians and what I love about what they offer is is it helps us as therapists be able to kind of dig into like deeper into some of the emotions and messages behind the food Uh, whereas a dietitian is going to be more exploring like hungerfulness and like reestablishing what that looks like in your body Mm. even as figuring out what what your body's individual needs are especially navigating if you have some kind of like medical diagnosis that actually does need you to somehow watch a little bit of like proteins or carbs or something yeah oh my gosh that can be so detrimental so having someone who's really informed about this as a dietitian yeah they're not it's not just about food even if you are a total pro with food and you know all the stats like that's not really what they're doing they're helping like heal that relationship Okay. So you can eat mm. in a more normal, healthy way. Yeah. 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 Okay, so where can people find you if they're like, oh my gosh, I need to spend more time with Shannon? Yeah, yeah. So moderneve.com, no, dot org is our website. And we have like monthly webinars that talk about, teach on different topics. Uh, we have a TikTok that's modern.eve, I think. And then Instagram, modern.eve.inc. And yeah, we are always pulling out every single day, like yeah. informational yeah. stuff on these topics. And yeah. yeah, there's a lot to be learned both from there and then people who we follow are also like kind of doing the same yeah. thing. So there's a lot of good resources to follow and fill your feed with. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, okay. I have a question. Yes. If you had a magic wand and you could just... Mm grant something to our collective what would you what would you give to us like what would you 
instill I mean hearts of peace I mean world peace right like I just feel like that's like really but like that's what comes to mind is like a heart of peace like not being at war with mm, yeah. self and others and man the things we could accomplish if we had that if everyone had that heart of peace yeah that's yeah, so you, cheesy I don't think it's cheesy like I'm wondering like do you believe that if you know, as individuals, if we could embrace or embody this heart of peace, do you think that you we would see a difference in our body relationships? Yeah, I think we would see so much more equality, honestly, in the next generation. Ooh, like, yeah. I think we would see insane amounts of like businesses popping up everywhere that are run by women. You'd see so much more like energy and time going into like nonprofits and helping organizations. Like, yeah. Freak, this world would be a different place if yeah. there was that kind of equality if women spent as much time as they do focusing on their bodies and food as they do about like making the world a better place holy shit the things we could do amen mm-hmm. you heard it here We just want to share a big thank you to everybody who helped make this episode possible. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Drop into our DMs. You can find us on Instagram at I totally relate pod. Or you can share your feedback and insights with us at I totally relate pod at gmail.com. We totally want to get to know you. See you next time. Peace out.